0: This is KGNU's Morning Magazine for Thursday, March 2nd of 2023. I'm your host, Shannon Young. Coming up on today's program, swatting calls affected two Boulder schools again yesterday. It's the second time in as many weeks police have responded to a false report targeting Boulder High School. We'll hear from some students there. This time on The Cannabis Report, we'll hear about some legislation that may be on the horizon in Colorado, as well as the possibility of vending machines replacing some of the state's bud tenders in dispensaries. Then, Radio Nibbles host John Lindorf will be in the studio to catch us up on local food news. A BBC News update is at the bottom of the hour. After that, it's time for our monthly serving of Kitchen Table Talk. Pull up a chair and dig into the community of local agriculture and restaurants. The phone lines will be open. Then at 9.30, Ginger Perry will be in the Boulder studio for the morning sound alternative. That's all still ahead, but first, a look at the headlines. With KGNU's Stacey Johnson.
1: Boulder High School and Boulder Preparatory High School were the target of another swatting call Wednesday. Both schools went into a brief secure status yesterday morning around 10 a.m. as law enforcement verified there was no actual threat. Under a secure status, officials lock the doors to the school while classes continue. Boulder police and CU police say yesterday's call was like the one they received a week ago, which caused a lockdown and evacuation at Boulder High. Another call sent police to an elementary school in Brighton. Yesterday's notification that Boulder High was on secure status came as a Boulder High Media Studies class was visiting KGNU as part of a field trip. We'll hear from some of the students later in the program. 16-year-old Luis Garcia, who was shot in his car at Denver East High School in mid-February, has died, according to reports from his family. The family described him as an athlete who earned good grades and worked several jobs. Police told the Denver Post they have no updates on their investigation concerning the shooting and no arrests have been made. The City of Boulder has hired a consultant to assist the police oversight panel with upcoming tasks and community engagement. The consultant, Farrah Muscadden, is a former director of the Austin, Texas Office of Police Oversight. Boulder's Equity Officer Amy Kane, told the Daily Camera Muscadden will fill in as Boulder continues its search for a new independent police monitor to replace Joey Lapari, who resigned last September. Miscotin's contract lasts through the end of the year with pay at $150 per hour. A committee of the state house advanced a bill yesterday designed to provide more protections for renters when their leases end. Jimmy Sirfoss has more.
2: Sponsors and supporters of HB 1171 described the legislation as the just cause eviction bill. It would require landlords to offer lease renewals and similar terms and reasonable rent increases as long as the tenants have kept up their part of the contractual obligations. Supporters of the bill say the current system makes it too easy for landlords to get rid of renters, even when the renters commit no lease violations. The bill's measures would also protect renters from retaliation and discrimination, such as when renters request repairs or because of the renter's immigration status. If a landlord wants to demolish, renovate, redevelop, or begin living in their property, The bill would also require the landlord to offer relocation assistance to the renter of at least two months' rent and a 120-day notice. Opposition to the bill, including the Colorado Apartment Association, say the current federal and state laws already provide various non-renewal protections for renters, which supporters of the bill argue are hard to enforce and prove. Those opposing the bill also say the policy will force landlords to enter into endless leases, cause a dramatic increase in rental costs, and force some landlords to leave the market. For KGNU, this has been Jimmy Zierfoss.
1: Another committee at the State House was busy hearing testimony yesterday as the State House Committee on Behavioral Health advanced a controversial safe injection site bill late Wednesday by a vote of 8-3. to 3. The bill will allow municipalities to operate sites for people to use drugs under supervision in order to prevent mounting overdose deaths. The sites will also include access to sterile equipment, fentanyl testing, counseling, and referrals for treatment services. Supporters say the bill will help save lives, connect people to treatment, and reduce people from using drugs in public spaces. Those supporting the bill include healthcare organizations such as the Colorado Nurses Association, Colorado Psychiatric Society, and Colorado Behavioral Healthcare Council. Opponents, including law enforcement and Republican lawmakers, say the sites will normalize drug abuse, increase crime, risk public safety near schools, and decrease property values. According to the Associated Press, the legislation faces an uphill battle, even with Democrats in control of the State House. Connor Cahill, a spokesperson for Governor Jared Polis, said in a statement Monday that the governor has concerns with an approach that would contribute to more drug use and lawlessness. The Rocky Mountain Regional Office of the Forest Service announced Wednesday forests in Colorado and Wyoming will receive just over $40 million in disaster relief funds for the current fiscal year under the disaster supplement of the ominous funding legislation. The Arapaho and Roosevelt National Forest in Colorado will receive a majority of the new funds to continue rehabilitation efforts from the Cameron Peak and East Troublesome Fires. Wyoming's Shoshone National Forest will receive $1.15 million to repair flood damage within the greater Yellowstone ecosystem. For today's weather, the National Weather Service says there will be sunny skies, calm winds, with a high near 47 degrees for Denver and Fort Collins and 46 degrees for Boulder. Tonight will be partly cloudy with increasing clouds for Fort Collins. Tonight's lows will be 26 degrees for Denver and Boulder and 22 degrees for Fort Collins. For KGNU, I'm Stacey Johnson.
0: Listening to the Morning Magazine on KGNU, I'm your host, Shannon Young. Another apparent swatting call affected the school day at both Boulder High and Boulder Preparatory School yesterday. Police say the call that came into the CU police dispatcher yesterday matched the false report of an active shooting that came in last week. Police also responded to false reports about active shooters in Brighton, Colorado, and in Lawrence, Kansas. In a communication to parents yesterday, BVSD indicated that it's possible more of these types of calls may come in the future. While some outlets use the words hoax or prank to describe these calls, the KGNU newsroom does not, due to the very real psychological effects these swatting incidents have on students, teachers, parents, and school staff, as well as the community at large. Yesterday's police response at Boulder High happened to coincide with a field trip by students from that school to the KGNU studios. The class is Introduction to Media Studies, taught by Mary Butler. KGNU's Shelley Schlender spoke with students Mac
3: Keegan, Hannah Newman, and Talia Herr. Mac, are you feeling calm about going back to school on a day where a threat was called into the school and the police so far have said it's not a real threat?
4: I mean, unfortunately, it's kind of the norm. You kind of have stuff like that happening all over the country, and it's something that you're exposed to pretty constantly. So having something happen like that, it's not out of the blue. It's not anything that's out of the realm of possibility. And when you get a call like that, you kind of have to keep going and move on.
3: Hannah, does this feel fair that this is the status quo? No, 100% not. I don't, you
5: know... There was a point where I we went to school and no one ever thought that this would be, like, a threat, but now I find that for the past, like, I mean, I don't know, 10, 20 years, it's just, like, nonstop. There's a shooting every month, and it's, you know, it's not really the safest feeling to go to school anymore. I don't think it's fair
4: at all. I think that something is wrong in our kind of societal norms where this kind of stuff happens and everyone kind of just accepts it. And I think that these kind of calls and these kind of events are just going to keep happening until something's changed.
3: How many of you feel like the lockdowns really make a difference to student safety? Well, What
6: else is there to do? We can't just like run out into the halls. That puts us like an immediate threat. You know what I mean? Like there's not really a solution that's going to be perfect. It's like we can do the best that we can do. Kind of.
3: Yeah. And your name is? I'm Talia.
5: Yeah. I mean, it's definitely, I mean, I would say, you know, it's definitely more effective than leaving the classroom and trying to escape the building,
3: so. Hannah, if you could make anything change in how we do things, what would you do in regards to these threats? Change gun
5: laws. Like, you know, as a recent shooter, there was one at a Texas elementary school. It's a guy that's like, what, he's younger than 25, like owning a gun? Like, I don't think that's right. They should do more background checks. You should be... I don't... I mean, I don't know what they can do, but I find that owning a gun is definitely something that needs to change because, like, it could be anyone, you know?
6: Yeah, I completely agree with Hannah. I tell you. I don't see the need for anyone outside of the military to own a military-grade assault rifle because those are for killing people, not for self-defense. Like... If you need something for self-defense, there are so many other options outside of owning an assault rifle, (laughs) like, it's just not necessary. And it endangers the lives of so many people, and it has killed so many people because there aren't enough background checks, there aren't enough laws determining who can and can't buy them. Like, it's just, it's not regulated enough, and it needs to be. It's killing people. (laughs)
4: I mean, I think that the technology in general has just surpassed what the Founding Fathers think that the Second Amendment was. I think if you were to tell them that you could pick up a device, press a button, and talk to somebody in a different state, that would blow their mind. And the fact that we are using the same regulations that they had on guns, I think it says a lot about us as a society, us as a country. And... I think that that's just something that we definitely have to update and modernize.
3: You're being told today that when you go back to school, the police have deemed this was a hoax, not a real threat, that you're going back to school and things will be normal. Are they normal?
6: No, I don't think anything... Like, I don't think that going back to school will be normal for any of us, especially Miss Butler. She was there during the lockdown, And she was tearing up like the day after that because she just had so many emotions. And all of my teachers said that that was the worst day like of their life, of their teaching career. She didn't know that there was wasn't actually someone in the building. And so I think in that moment, it really came to terms with her with like how real that situation could be as a
5: teacher. And I think that really scared her. I mean, your life's at stake. Like your life's at stake. Why wouldn't you freak out about that? That's a reason to be like, you know, traumatized from it or upset the next few days. Like I wouldn't be surprised if some teachers aren't over it at this point. And they were there for like five hours. They were there for five hours. Like, I
6: have some soccer friends. They were stuck in one of the locker rooms and so one of the locker rooms doors wouldn't close. And they were absolutely terrified. It's just something that us like living in this society in this country have to deal with. You know, like this stuff is happening almost every day. And it's so scary, but you can't just not go to school. That's not an option. And so you kind of just have to hope for the best, which is such a bad situation to be in, but you can't do anything else other than that.
3: These are high school students from Boulder High School's Media and Communications class. Thank you for joining us. Good luck with the rest of your day.
5: Thank you. Thank you.
0: <laughs> that was Shelley Schlender speaking with Boulder High Introduction to Media Studies students Talia Herr, Mac Keegan, and Hannah Newman during a field trip to our studios yesterday. The visit coincided with a swatting call to their school. You are listening to The Morning Magazine on KGNU. I'm your
7: host, Shannon Young. Up next is the Cannabis Report. And now it's time for the Cannabis Report on KGNU Community Radio. I'm Hannah Lee Myers, and I'm joined by Leland Rucker, a longtime cannabis correspondent here to keep us in the loop with what's going on in cannabis news. So we're going to hear a little bit about, I know, some potential changes being introduced by state legislators to Colorado's Marijuana Social Equity Program, and also some Interaction between Denver's mayoral race and cannabis in the news. But before we get into that kind of news, I heard you have a fun headline for us out of Aurora.
8: Yeah, it's only available in one place, the Terrapin Station in Aurora, which is near East Mississippi Avenue and South Havana Street. And it's a cannabis vending machine. Yeah, it's inside a dispensary, but it's a cannabis vending machine. And my, my question is, given the choice I've been asking people, which would you prefer? And I got mixed answers from people. Some people would rather use the machine. Myself, I like talking with bud tenders. Other people don't. But Governor Polis is giving his his okay on social media. And it's not like you're going to be able to pick up your pot at the local 7-Eleven or, you know, go in like a big gulp. Right now, they will only operate in dispensaries. So it's your choice, bud tender or machine. So customers scan and verify their identification cards. They follow the instructions on the digital screen, and they pay. Shoppers, they can watch the bagging process through a window, and Terrapin says the machine holds up to 1,152 products. That's depending on the size of the product packaging. So the big question is, the marijuana industry has been talking about giving people jobs, and that's one of the things the industry has been about. Will it take away jobs? That's the question. The idea is to sell it to dispensaries around the state, but local regulations are in place too, and somebody has to fill those machines with all those different kinds of pot. So I think we're going to let the marketplace decide.
7: Yet another headline that 10 years ago was laughable would be a joke. Yeah, right. No one thought would happen. So interesting. And you also have some news for us about state legislators potentially pursuing some legislative changes. What can you tell us about that?
2: Yeah,
8: they're starting to look at some changes, and I want to preface all this by saying that nothing's going to happen until late April or early May. That's when the session ends. So there's probably going to be more changes before then. But there is a bill that that proposes to overhaul the marijuana social equity program in the state, and, you know, recreational marijuana delivery has been legal in Colorado since 2020 but Aurora and Denver the only two cities with dispensaries that deliver. And uh, according to the Denver Department of Excise and Licenses, delivery has accounted for less than one-half of 1% of total marijuana sales in Denver, and fewer than 5% of the city's 200-plus dispensaries currently offer the service. So it's not really happening right now. And this House bill, which is 1020. It would add a handful of features to the social equity program, and that social equity program was created less than three years ago, and it's going to include new preferential marijuana delivery opportunities and changes to Colorado's social equity licensing requirements. Now, most marijuana recreational industry representatives said they supported social equity initiatives allowing delivery services to operate Without dispensary involvement. And they think that's a step too far. But it is out of the House Business Affairs and Labor Committee and now out into the regular House. And, you know, our state was the first to legalize, and we've been criticized a lot for not having social equity provisions for communities impacted by the war, by the drug war in place right from the start. But I don't even remember discussions back then. We were the first state to do it. There weren't even discussions about social equity. This uh, The social equity program was only created three years ago. So we'll watch this one and see how it does. But I'm sure there's still going to be more changes.
7: There always are. So thank you for being on top of that. There's also some interaction between Cannabis News and the Denver race for mayor.
8: Yeah. You know, we all know whether you live in Boulder or Denver, there's lots of candidates for Denver mayor. And uh, one is trying to make his, his name known, Thomas Wolf. He says, why not use the Old City Jail in Denver, which now houses confiscated marijuana, as a human shelter for those who don't have it? And he's, he's argued on this for a long time. And it's a departure from uh, the views of many of his competitors. And some of homeless advocates viewed him as Big Bad Wolf. But during the Fair Elections Fund February 9 debate and again at the February 20 Forum on Homelessness, Wolfe cited the jail as an example of misused city resources. He says, why house marijuana when you can shelter people? And he points to the old downtown jail, which is currently used by Denver police to store confiscated materials as the waste of a city facility. Now, public safety on its part explains that the old jail is the former pre-arraignment detention facility, and that's next to the DPD headquarters off West 13th Avenue. And public safety says it's used for more than marijuana storage. It's used for a lot of other things, and that it is slated to become a new District 6 police station, quote-unquote, in the coming years. So we'll take a look at this one and see what happens.
7: Well, certainly an eclectic mix of headlines this time around, Leland. Thank you so much for keeping us in the loop. You bet. And you can find the Cannabis Report here on KGNU, the first and third Thursday of every month. For KGNU, I'm Hanley Myers. <laughs>
0: It's March, which means it's time to think about spring food on Radio Nibbles with John Lindorf. He joins me here in the studio so we can get into that. Good morning.
9: Good morning, Shannon. Good morning to everybody. You know, it's Wednesday, which means, uh, or it's Thursday. It means it snowed last night Uh, yet again. It's sort of becoming a uh, Radio Nibbles uh, tradition. It's a little hard to look outside and imagine uh, uh, planting and gardening and everything else. But uh now is uh is actually that time, and there's there's just a ton of stuff going on that I started looking at uh that will uh, bring you back to the farm, so to speak do tell uh for one thing, um Harlequin's gardens in Boulder uh, opens for the season today seems early, but you know there's plant starts and uh, things you can get uh from them um, still have to wait until uh April first, which isn't that far away for the farmers market to open, that'll probably it'll probably snow then too. A um, couple of other things, uh, Olin Farms, which I love up near Longmont. This Saturday afternoon, they're having hay rides and there's a lot of baby animals. Oh,
3: baby animals! Right Great. now, <laughs>
9: and uh, if you bring the kids, they can help plant, uh, start doing uh, plant starts. Okay and uh if you have uh and this is this is near and dear to my heart if you have a lot of people have fruit trees in their backyard, but they're they're not really well cared for there's a, a workshop on March fourth um, by community um, fruit rescue and benevolence orchard and um, they uh will teach you how to pr- how to prune and care for the f- the tree so that you get a lot of fruit. Benevolence uh, also it's a really interesting place. Um uh, they're now offering a, a mushroom uh CSA. No, not those kind of mushrooms. Oh. But reishi and mm-hmm. lion's mane and all that. So you can you know you know what a CSA is. Well, this is a this is a mushroom CSA from Benevolence uh, Orchard. Um the other thing is I I've I've grown to really appreciate uh, Buckner Ranch. Actually KGNU has a a long familial uh, connection because of Buck Buckner. Uh, But uh, Mountain Fountain, you know, uh, St. Paddy's Day is coming. It is. Corned beef. A lot of the corned beef you get commercially is, you know, what it is. But Mountain Fountain Market and Hygiene is offering grass-fed, locally pastured, you know, really good corned beef for St. Paddy's. the other thing is, uh, we've had Masa Seed on to talk. Indeed, The wonderful thing about them is that they are growing and propagating seeds which aren't uh, owned by Monsanto. They're locally uh, adjusted to the climate and everything else. Um, but they're, they're now available at Nude Foods Market, uh, which makes it a little more uh, handy. Okay, And okay. I know you're thinking, I need some help with my, uh, my gardening uh, plan. And uh, really understanding how to garden here, which is not that easy, if you're, especially if you're from somewhere else. But how the, did you know that was what I was thinking? <laughs> <laughs> uh, the Farmette in Lyons, really a cool place. They're having a worksho- workshop starting uh, a- April 1st, Vegetable Gardening 101. And a lot of people are interested in beekeeping. And April 2nd, they have Beekeeping uh, 101.
0: Oh, nice. Okay. Well, uh, what's in your nipples column today, John?
9: Uh, Dots Diner. It's a uh, it's a look back. I first ate at Dot's Diner in the late 1970s. I met a famous uh, uh, TV and movie star, and uh, well, you'll just have to read it to find oh. out, but it's, right. uh, it's, it's quite nostalgic.
0: Okay, well, how about telling me about what the best thing you've had to eat lately is?
9: I went down to McGregor Square, which is right next to Coors Field. I was working on a story, and this food hall had uh, these empanadas. It's, it was, it's called uh, uh, Crescent Moon Empanada in McGregor Square. And I had a birria empanada that was just, it was transcendent. The whole empanada was, was full of that, that great uh, shredded meat and a great red salsa. So it was a, it was a treat.
0: Can I tell you about the best thing I've eaten lately? Please. <laughs> oh, man, let me tell you. So there's this new deli, relatively new deli, on Pearl Street uh, near Pearl and 26 called Silk Road. It's yes. run by an Afghan family. Yes. Yes. And they, wow. They, they were okay.
9: wonderful, wonderful
0: I had something called a bulani, which is stuffed Afghan flatbread. And mm-hmm. they, own, it, they just did it as a special. It's not even like a regular menu item. But I was like, ooh, what's that? And they're like, you're going to love it. And, oh, they were right. And so that was delicious. They had one that was, it was uh, like shredded squash with some walnuts. It was amazing. And uh, so Silk Road, Silk Road (laughs) Deli. And they, I chased it with, it's a a saffron infused uh, rice pudding. Uh, I know there's a word for it in Persian, but woo, that was amazing. Oh, my goodness, John. I, I was just sitting here telling waxing uh, nostalgic about what I ate last week, and it's time for us to go.
9: Right, and I hope you'll all stay tuned for Kitchen Table Talk with guests and callers and everything else.
0: That's all the time we have for today's Morning Magazine. I've been your host and producer, Shannon Young. Indeed, stay tuned for Kitchen Table Talk. That's coming up on the other side of the BBC News Headlines.